Clarity On is brought to you by Clarity, experts in strategic financial planning and investment management. With over 25 years of experience in the field, our award-winning team are well-positioned to help people navigate the complex world of finance. Hello, and welcome to the Clarity On Defined Benefit Pensions podcast. I'm Jessica Lelly, and I'm here with Andrew Kemp. Hi, we're both power planners at Clarity, which means we work with financial planners in the design and provision of regulated advice. I've been in the industry for around 13 years on the investment management side. Andrew, you're a pension transfer specialist here at Clarity, and I understand you previously worked in defined benefit pensions? That's right. I've spent a number of years administering these schemes and subsequently on the actuarial consultancy side, looking at funding levels and benefit structure. So with that background, we felt it'd be useful to provide an introductory overview on the subject. I've heard about lots of different types of pensions. So there's final salary, defined benefit, contribution, defined benefit. Um, What are they? What are the differences? So a defined benefit or DB pension is an arrangement that promises to provide a benefit that is defined by a set of rules. This might be a standalone lump sum or more often a regular income for members in retirement or in ill health and other beneficiaries in the event of a member's death. The rules are defined and drawn up by the company or government who sponsors the arrangement in order to provide for its employees. These rules normally set out a relationship between the benefits being built up or accrued and the members' pensionable earnings, that's typically their salary. The intention being to provide some continuity of standard of living when you stop working. So that's really designed to give uh, a member the, the comfort of knowing that they have a secure income in retirement? That's right. So a final salary scheme is one type of DB where the benefit is linked to your salary just before you leave or retire. Hence the name. There's a whole host of other ways the benefit could be calculated, and many DB schemes have changed their rules over time. So depending on when you joined and when you left, your benefits may be based on a combination of methods. It's worth distinguishing between funded and unfunded arrangements. So funded schemes are exactly that. They have a pot of money that receives contributions from the sponsor and sometimes, but not always, from the members. This money is invested to provide current and future benefit payments. So unfunded schemes do not have a pot of money. Any contributions are paid directly to those receiving benefits. The most well-known unfunded scheme is the UK state pension. So essentially we as workers are paying uh, national insurance and then those payments that we're making go directly to the people who are right now in receipt of the state pension. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah. So to give some context to the scale of these things, in 2018, the total cost of providing all DB pensions in the UK was estimated to be around £8.6 trillion. Around six trillion of that was in relation to the state pension and other unfunded arrangements. Barely 400 billion pounds was for public sector funded schemes. And the difference there, that's a whopping 2.2 trillion, was in relation to meeting benefits for all private sector funded schemes. So these are big numbers. To give you a feel for what they mean, the UK's gross domestic products, that's the value of all goods and services produced in the UK at that time, was around 2.1 trillion. 
So the cost of meeting all the private sector DB benefits was greater than the total output of the whole country. Whether that was in 2018, it could be a different picture now. It really depends on how the values were estimated as well. But they are really huge numbers. Um, it's surprising how much money these schemes represent and sort of control. Um, so if defined benefit is paying a set amount for life to a person, what other types of pension are there? So the other main types of pension is a defined contribution, it's DC, it's also referred to as money purchase, where instead of getting a set amount out, a set amount is put in. Each member has their own pot and is responsible for choosing their own investment strategy, although there will be a default fund for those who don't want to research and pick themselves. Essentially, a DC pension is a savings account with special tax privileges while building up the savings and has certain restrictions for when the benefits are accessed. There's usually no promises or guarantees with respect to the benefits paid out. It's all down to how much is paid in and how the funds perform, net of any charges. In contrast, the investment strategy for a funded DB scheme takes into account a variety of factors with the aim of meeting the scheme's liabilities, so that's all the benefits. Bearing in mind that the timing for the benefits coming into payment and subsequently stopping can be rather uncertain. Uh, the scheme's assets are managed as one big pot. Uh, there are other costs of running the schemes, as advice, the trustees, the administration. Sometimes this is covered directly by the sponsor, but often indirectly through the scheme's assets, which are topped up by the sponsor as required. So basically, the a DB scheme, so a defined benefit scheme, the risk is where with the sponsoring employee and the trustees, whereas a defined contribution risk um, sits with the member themselves. That's right, yeah. Okay. There's also a relatively new type of scheme called Collective Defined Contribution, or CDC, that you may have heard about. With these, contributions are fixed, like with a normal defined contribution scheme, but the assets are invested as one big pot and benefits are paid with the aim to provide more certainty in what members can receive without the promises like a DB scheme. So in general, as you say, a DB is like a delayed source of earnings to last the rest of your life, whereas a DC pension can be viewed more like an asset which can be sold to provide regular income or capital. You're more likely to come across DC pensions if you're starting a new job in the private sector. This is also the type of pension that self-employed people tend to have. So if you have a, a DB scheme, do you get to negotiate any benefit increases much like you would do with a, with a job? Can you sort of get a salary boost? So the scheme's rules determine how the benefits are increased. That's both before being paid and once in payment. This increase is normally linked to some measure of inflation, subject to an overall maximum or cap. There are some minimum increases, again, like you see with the state pension, However, some benefits may not increase at all. The trustees, that's the group of people who manage the scheme, can change the rules, but they also have the power to provide discretionary increases. As the trustees have a duty towards all the members, this kind of increase would be awarded across the board rather than for individuals. So individually, they're very inflexible about changing the income for, for an individual person, but actually the trustees are, are just trying to treat everyone fairly. Exactly, yeah. You also need to bear in mind that income benefits are normally subject to tax. Oh, right. Okay. So we're taxed when we're working and also taxed in retirement. So defined benefits sounds like the better option, the better scheme. How do I, how do I sign up? 
So DB schemes are few and far between these days, unfortunately. These schemes became very expensive for sponsors to sustain. Uh, there's a number of contributing factors to that, including improvements in life expectancy, gradual aging of the membership, regulatory costs, which are mainly there to protect members, and interest rates, which historically have been a lot higher than we've experienced since around 2005, up until very recently anyway. So a young scheme set up in the late 70s, early 80s, would have seen plenty of money coming in with relatively little being paid out. And the age profile of the scheme's membership would look very different in the late 90s and early 2000s. That does make sense. So initially there would have been little in the way of outgoings because everyone in the scheme would have been working and obviously you've not retired. Uh, so, and then the age profile of the scheme matures and so there tends to be more money flowing out um, in pension payments than contributions coming in. Yes, that might be true. More likely for schemes that are closed to new members or closed to building up additional benefits. But the scheme's assets ought to have grown much larger now compared to the earlier days. So as long as it's been managed appropriately, the outgoings should be sustainable. Also back in the 70s and 80s, perhaps through into the 90s, more people had a set career or job for life. Whereas more often nowadays, there's a lot more staff turnover and movements between industries um, in terms of job mobility and transferable skills, things like that. So that means that they would end up with a, a larger number of members in the pension scheme with smaller benefits. So I, I can see how that might, would increase the cost of administration. Yep, sure. And increasing complexity in pensions legislation, tax and regulations also led to further costs. For example, the requirement for additional advice to the trustees, ever more burdensome administration and levies paid to the industry lifeboats, that's the Pension Protection Fund. And there have been a few news stories over the years, haven't there, about sort of where the Pension Protection Fund has had to step in. So there was uh, the construction firm Carillion, who went into uh, liquidation in 2017. Um, um, within its schemes, it had a total pension deficit of £1 billion. So the PPF, the Pension Protection Fund, stepped in to cover it, but some of the members who are now in retirement might not get the full benefits that they were promised initially at the outset. People might also remember the news articles about Philip Green and PHS. So they basically, instead of using the profits to fund pensions for, for the employees, he paid himself large dividends to fund his lifestyle. Because of this, and plenty of other examples, uh, companies have decided to transfer the risk in providing retirement from themselves to their employees. Yes, so a combination of all these factors has seen a gradual decline in the availability of DB arrangements in the private sector. In 2006, there were around 5,700 schemes. Just over 40%, or two-fifths, were open to new members. In 2021, so 15 years later, only around 10% were open, and that's after around 10% disappeared altogether. Over that same time period, the proportion that were closed to future accrual went up from 12% to 50%, and that's those whose employees don't build up any additional benefits within the scheme. So who can join a defined benefit scheme now? Well, most public sector employees, so civil servants, teachers, the NHS, local government, as well as some private sectors, as we just mentioned, for example, the university superannuation scheme that's available for all university staff. This is the largest private sector pension scheme in the UK. 
by asset value. So what are the options if you have a DE scheme in terms of um, accessing benefits? Generally speaking, you should be able to access any type of pension any time after reaching normal minimum pension age. Currently, this is 55 years old. It will be rising to 57 in 2028. If you're a member of a DB scheme, it's important to check what your normal pension age is. This is the earliest age you can access your benefits from the scheme without being adjusted for early payment as of right. So that's i.e. without express permission to retire. If you access benefits before reaching this age, then these are normally reduced to allow for the fact that they are expected to be paid for a longer period of time than if you had waited. You may also be able to access your benefits later than normal pension age. The scheme might have a normal retirement age. Typically, this might be age 65 or the state pension age, which is a movable beast in itself. If you access benefits after the normal retirement age, and these are normally increased to allow for the fact they are expected to be paid for a shorter period of time than if you hadn't delayed. If the rules have changed while you were active, you may have different normal pension ages for different periods of service. This can get complicated from an administrative perspective. If you've received a statement and there is any doubt or confusion, you should ask questions of the administrator or the trustee, seek guidance from PensionWise or speak to a financial advisor. So are there any other options? I've, I've heard sometimes um, people take a lump sum. Sure, you can often exchange some pension income for an upfront tax-free lump sum. The income conversion rate is something that the trustees can and often do change. And while the fact it's tax-free could be appealing, it may be that the taxable income from the scheme could fall into a low or perhaps nil rate tax band. If, for example, you aren't fully utilising your personal allowance. Remember that the income foregone would have otherwise continued to be paid for the rest of your life and will usually include some level of guaranteed inflation protection. You may also be able to use a bridging pension. With this, you opt for a slightly higher amount of pension but then the scheme benefit drops down when you reach state pension age. The aim of this is to provide a smooth income throughout retirement, as you would receive the same amount solely from the scheme before state pension age, and in total from the scheme and the state pension combined once they're both in payment, so it's smoothed in real terms. You can potentially exchange your future pension increases, although again, this can be complicated depending on the terms of the deal. Finally, you may be able to transfer out and in some cases partially transfer out. Transferring means exchanging the income guaranteed to be paid for the rest of your life with the inflation protection and death benefits for a pot of money which has no guarantees. So this is a highly regulated area. Um, there have been instances in the news talking about doctors stopping work because their pensions are being um, heavily taxed. What, what's that about? That's a good question. And there are two things to mention here the annual allowance and the lifetime allowance. I'll talk to you about the lifetime allowance or the LTA first, as while that was complicated, this is currently in the process of being made obsolete. The LTA is essentially a tax efficient ceiling up to which the lifetime value of your DB benefits could be accessed without suffering additional tax charges. For simplicity, if we say the LTA was one million pounds, then this translates to a DB pension at retirement of 50,000 pounds a year. A lot of money but if you had high earnings and or a long service in a db scheme such as with the nhs then this ceiling was often breached and members had to pay additional tax on top of the income tax paid on their pensions so this was the argument that jeremy hunt gave in his spring budget in march 2023 for abolishing the lta 
And while this creates a lot of headlines and noise in the industry, it's still to be seen exactly how this will work. Because limits like these are often tweaked in budgets, aren't they? And then they sort of have to work through the uh, pension administrators and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So the LTA has been in place since 2006 and is embedded well throughout legislation and administrative practices, as you say. Um, there's still some work to do on this, so best move on to something that is still very relevant, and that's the annual allowance. Now, this is the maximum amount of additional benefit that could be built up in the year, tax efficiently. At the moment, this limit is £60,000, which translates to additional benefits being accrued in a DB pension of £3,750. This might not sound a big number, but say, for example, somebody earning £30,000, the additional DB accrual, that's pension input, might be somewhere around £500 a year. Of course, depending on the scheme rules and their service, etc. For someone with a salary of £200,000 a year, the pension input would be much closer to this overall annual allowance. Also, if your total taxable income, so salary plus your other taxable income you may receive, is above £260,000, then you might see your annual allowance, that's the 60k, this allowance can be reduced down as far as £10,000, which corresponds to additional DB accrual of only £625. So if your salary is high enough and you have additional sources of taxable income, then your additional pension input would exceed your allowance. Then you would have additional tax to pay. That's right. And it can be viewed as being a little unfair, as it's a tax on something you haven't even been able to enjoy yet. It's a future income banked. And there's a mechanism which means that you can pay tax and your benefits are reduced by way of a pension debit. But this is not available in all circumstances. This is more the reason why doctors and other high earners have been considering to stop working. So they're getting taxed on something they don't have access to yet. I would say if you're in this kind of position and don't already have an advisor, you should speak to one as soon as possible. It's your responsibility to report excess pension input on your self-assessment tax return. And if you don't even know what excess input you've had, it's unlikely to have happened, as in it's unlikely that you would have mm. recorded it, reported it properly. Um, there may be fines for late payment, so it's important to get your ducks in a row, so to speak. Yes, it's really, really important to seek advice. Of course, you could speak to Clarity, but you could also speak to the scheme administrators. Are there any disadvantages to a DB scheme? So they tend to be fairly inflexible in terms of how the benefits are accessed in life and um, death benefits. I went through a few examples earlier of different options you might have. They're not all available. They're not always all available. So they can be very complicated, especially to understand these options and be able to make the decisions are most appropriate for you. It can be potentially impossible for you as a member to check yourself what you're being told is, is right. And death benefits themselves may be relatively meagre or non-existent in some cases. For example, death if you died after leaving the scheme, but before retiring. If the scheme's sponsor goes insolvent, then benefits may be reduced if the assets are insufficient to buy the equivalent benefits with an insurance company. So that's what you're talking about with respect to the pension protection fund for certain caps and limits and um, how the benefits increase in payments, such like that. Yeah, there's a lot of different variables. Um, it's I know we often see we often see um, a lot of very complicated schemes here at work. Um, so to recap. If I had a DB scheme, uh, these are the sort of things I would be looking for. So um, what age can I access the benefits? Um, options for converting benefits as well. Um, so maybe perhaps taking a bigger lump sum and reducing the income that, that's paid ongoing. Um, seek guidance. I think we, um, 
we often speak to people through their employer. Um, so your employer might provide help. There's also a wealth of information available online. So a good place to start is Money Helper. Uh, and then finally, as we've already said, you can uh, get advice. You don't have to use Clarity, although we'd probably like you to. Uh, other advisors are available, uh, and for that you can check unbiased.com. We hope our session's been useful. If you would like any more information or to uh, find out any more about Clarity, you can check our website. Uh, we also have a variety of social media accounts, uh, so do get in touch. Thank you for listening. This has been Clarity on Lady Ventures.